Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 110 with Sujan Patel of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning? It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome. Bonjour. Hola. Como esté? How are you doing? <laughs> I just had to mix up that intro because uh, I'm batching all my recording and it I just feel and sound like a robot if I say the same thing over and over. Um, so I hope everyone's having a wonderful day, time, evening, wherever you are around the world. My name is Nathan Chan. I'm the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine and host of the Founder Podcast. Uh, let's talk about today's guest. His name is Sujan Patel. He is a content marketing genius. You know, Sujan's been on my radar, somebody that I have been wanting to get in touch with for quite some time. I've seen him pop up all over Forbes, Entrepreneur, Inc., Fast Company. He's pretty much an author everywhere, and he's just exploded his personal brand. And uh, he really, really didn't hold back in this interview when it comes to giving actionable content. Uh, If you guys would like to know how Sujan creates like literally eight to 10 articles, high quality articles every single week and puts the, you know, and finds places for these articles across Entrepreneur, Fast Company, Forbes, or any of the industry publications um, that, you know, is in this space. You know, he shares all that and so much more. And, you know, even if you're not in the entrepreneurial space, you know, that's not your niche, you, you know, the sports niche or the health health and wellness niche or the, you know, food niche, whatever niche you're in, he shares actually how to become an influential blogger, 
and um, you know how to be a guest contributor and build your authority and build your personal brand to really grow your business. Really, really smart guy. That has a ton to share. I know you're going to love this one. Um, I'm just going to leave it at that, but you are in for an absolute treat. Uh, Sujan is the founder of a company called contentmarketer.io. He's got a, quite a few other SaaSes that he's working on, Q, Narrow. He's just started um, a web agency, Web Profits. He's partnered up with those guys. They're in Australia. Um, he's doing a lot. I asked him to find out how he's doing it all, which is really interesting as well, how he structures his day and his team and how he spends his time. But uh, that's it from me, guys. If you are enjoying these episodes, please, please, please do take the time to leave us a review. Please do share this with any of your entrepreneurial friends or founders. Um, the more that you help spread the word, the more it helps just the brand grow and the more people we can help. And that's what we're all about. So now that's it from me, guys. Let's jump into the show. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how did you get your job? Honestly, these days, I just fell into it. Kind of rewind 10 years ago, I, I started the e-commerce website, had no clue what I was doing and quickly learned that I need to get traffic, try to get traffic, succeeded, but didn't know how to run a business. You know, now kind of fast forward 10 years, had been doing marketing for other companies for a long time, had a marketing agency, and I've always wanted to kind of do things myself and work for myself. And so I've always kind of worked backwards of what can I do that provides value to the universe or people that allows me to do whatever I want in life, have fun, but also be passionate about what I do. And that's kind of how I fell into uh, the marketing consulting space. Yeah, wow. Well, because um, you do a lot, man. I've always been really impressed. Uh, I, 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 before we connected in person, I, I'd seen you around just writing everywhere on all these different sites, you know, Fast Company, Inc., Entrepreneur, Forbes. Uh, you produce a lot of content. I did know that you used to work with Eric because I because I have connected with Eric Sue uh, from Single Grain, um, I, and I did used to see you popping around everywhere. Um, so was that your first agency, Single Grain? Like, um, tell us about how you got into the agency business. Yeah, so that was my first agency. I started that business back in two thousand five. On like officially started in two thousand five but was always a side kind of thing while I was working. And I kind of led with, let's make this seem like a big kind of organization, you know, puff your chest. And if it works, if I'm getting enough business, I can go full time on it. It wasn't until probably 2009 where I convinced, <laughs> crazy story, I convinced my day job, which I was a, an SEO manager at a lead gen company to let me be part time and then hired me as a consultant. And that was my first, first client, essentially. And I kind of gave myself, well, I have a year contract and I could either sink or swim. And if I, if I sink and nothing works out, well, you know what, I'll just go get another job. And so I busted my butt, built that business, turned it into, I think we, when I sold it, uh, kind of Eric came on for a bit. And then I ended up selling the business to Eric at the end of 2013, we were north of 3 million revenue. And I was wow. just kind of burnt out didn't really know. I kind of lost my why I was doing it. And I wanted to get more back hands on. And I love the technical marketing stuff. I love like getting my hands dirty. And I felt like I was just kind of too out of the loop and, and 
focusing so much on like the operations, the business, the process. And I'm a marketer. That's what I want to do. So, um, you know, that's kind of, that was my first business and it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I see. And, um, so what happened next? The next two years that led up to what I'm doing now was very, very strategic. I had succeeded in building a seven figure business and kind of failed at scaling an eight figure or nine figure business. I wanted to obviously build as big as business as I can. So I knew what I, I lost, I sucked at and kind of because I pushed my boundaries, but I also knew what I wanted to improve and what I wanted to do. So over the last two years, uh, one, I got a job. I actually took me three positions and three jobs to get to when I worked.com where I served as a VP of marketing and when I worked.com uh, B2B SaaS helped take it from 1 million to 10 million annual revenue. It was awesome. I, I had, they were old client of single grain. They found out I left, they reached out to me and um, that happened a number of times. And this one kind of just hit because there's a lot of, um, a lot of like kind of synergy and I hate using that word, but it was just a lot of good kind of relationships there. And the CEO was a big like product marketer and I knew like I didn't know much about product marketing. And so I kind of had a list of things and skills I wanted to prove on. And I also wanted to build my brand up. And I honestly didn't know what I wanted to do with my personal brand. All I know is that if I built a personal brand and that's why I started writing and doing all the things, I knew doors would open. And, you know, a year and a half into building my personal brand, things started opening. That's when I started contentmarketer.io, joined uh, Jared with narrow.io and involved in kind of now, uh, again, fast forward a bit, I'm involved in six SaaS companies and run a full-time marketing agency. And so um, I'm able to juggle a lot and then build my personal brand, write a lot. I mean, honestly, I kind of think of my life as a, a giant vacation. And if I'm doing the things I love, it, I'm not really spending time working. Yeah, man, that's amazing. That's where it's at. Um, Talk to me about these six SaaS companies that you're working with. I thought you, I, I only thought you just had one, like the the whole content marketer dire, but you're you're morphing it all together with narrow and and the outreach tool. So yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, so um, I can't disclose all of them, but the ones yeah. I can tell you about is contentmarketer.io. That's a lot of these are micro SaaS companies, and what that means is they're small teams. There's myself and maybe two or three other people max. Mm -hmm. um, I have Q.co. And again, I'm not the founding member there. I'm, I saw that idea. I saw how awesome the team was. And I was like, guys, I have to be involved. Let's find out a way to work together. And um, I have narrow.io, which is a, uh, a Twitter automation tool. Uh, again, partner with, with uh, a technical co-founder, Jared, who, who had an idea. He built this MVP. It was working. And I was like, holy crap, this actually, this actually works. And then the most recent one, is a company called linktexting.com. I actually just wrapped up the contract today. So it's a simple, simple tool. If you have a mobile app, obviously your desktop version, the web version of your app or your website, you have to get people to download it, right? If pe most people link to the app store mm. um, or Android store or play store, yeah. but this is a simple thing where you can text your um, text, the person, yourself essentially a link to download it. And so with that, you get tracking and all that stuff. And I've just found, again, from the business has been around for a few years, it's, uh, it's making kind of uh, quite, a, quite a decent amount of revenue. And 
what my plan is to is to kind of grow it. And there's another couple people involved with it as well. And uh, what I found is I'm really good at micro solutions and micro SaaS and small teams where I can apply the marketing arm. And if you've noticed the kind of a theme of the, of the, of the SaaS tools I've mentioned so far, they're all SaaS, they're all B2B, they're all targeting kind of a similar persona. And the reason why I target B2B SaaS and that persona is that's me. I'm the person they're targeting. I know how to market to myself and or my friends or and or people like myself and my friends. And so I stick in that realm, even though most, you know, most likely churn is going to be high and there's going to be a lot of different problems um, to grow the business. I like it because, well, one, I love problems and, and, and kind of solving them. But two, they're all one problem. And so when I figure it out for one company, I can apply the blanket solution for all of the other ones. And I do that all the time. Mm, that's really interesting. So um, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, how do you structure your day across the agency, the SaaS companies, building your personal brand and everything else you've got going on? I know you, you, you wrote a, you a few books. So yeah, talk to me about that. How do you structure your day, man? How do you get so much done? Yeah, so the first thing is what externally is as pers- building your personal brand. It's writing. It's, it's producing content of some sort. So I'm always trying to start the day with, at least now, getting all my creative energy out on paper. Yes. Um, I Oftentimes, I just use my phone and go, go to voicemails and record, my, record myself talking on 20, 30, 15 to 30 minutes on the topic. Yes. Um, I'll, I'll literally be looking up things while I'm talking about it. It will sound, if you hear these recordings, and my editor probably hears this way too much. Mm. Um, <laughs> so I have an editor who will then transcribe it, but I'll get to that in a second. It's, it's literally me ranting on these things. And then what I do is I, I kind of take that and I email my editor saying, here's the seven, five or 10 things I hit. Here's the seven topics I really nailed. And so it'll force me to kind of listen to myself and organize my thoughts. Yes. And I'll add some of that research and stuff to it. And I have a person who will then transcribe it and they won't just like transcribe it. It's not like a service. It's a person. Yes. And they will highlight things in red that just don't make sense. They're stupid. They'll probably need to remove. I'll highlight things in yellow that need more like research or kind of depth and then green or like just leave it blank as a, that that's good kind of key points or whatnot. And so then what I do is I go back and edit it. And so what that whole process in 45 minutes to one hour of my time I can crank out 1,500 to 2,000 words because I'm not really focusing on the nitty-gritty weeds or the details, step one. Step one is talking about a topic I'm passionate about, and it's talking to myself, and I don't have to worry about making sense, and I've worked with my editor and kind of transcriber person for like nine years, and so she gets what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> uh, she's like my third wife. My second wife would be... <laughs> Uh, multiple of business partners, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I start with that, right? And they just like, get that out of the way, get that process going. And honestly, sometimes I crank like two, three blog posts in a day. If I have downtime, start my day kind of around nine thirty, ten thirty, somewhere around there. Yes. And that's when I get into, I get my inbox done before I even get to the office, but that's when I get into like, okay, what are the main things I can get done? And surprisingly, I only really do three to five big things a day. And that everything else gets swept under the rug. So I learned uh, about a year ago that I'm only going to focus 
and this is kind of by just like an arbitrary idea I had. Mm. I'm only going to focus on my five biggest things, and sometimes it's only three, and my biggest problems. So my biggest opportunities for growth, and this same framework gets applied to clients. And so during this time, kind of 10 to 5 range, it's all client mode. And throughout the day, there's some some kind of uh, work on the SaaS products. Again, I have partners and, and kind of contractors that help with that. But with my marketing agency, a lot of this is not me doing the day-to-day work. It's not me right, doing the kind of, honestly, the hard work. My role in most of my companies as well as on the agency is to make sure we're doing the best possible marketing. I can't be executing that marketing. I am kind of two parts. I'm making sure my staff gets unstuck or removing roadblocks when they get stuck and reviewing their execution or our execution uh, and making sure that that's the best possible way. The second thing is making sure I help level them up. And I learned this early on actually with an old mentor of mine of my first job is to help just teach people, teach what you know. And I, I try to do this with my content as well. And kind of my personal brand is sharing everything I know. There's no secrets. It's just hard freaking work and execution. I teach my staff the same thing. And my goal is the staff to help at some point run, be the kind of general manager of one of my businesses or help them get their next job and skip a couple steps from, let's say, uh, kind of entry-level or mid-level marketer to they're experienced enough to be the director of marketer or run a whole company's marketing department. Mm, yeah, no, that's that's really smart. Hey guys, I really hope you're feeling inspired from today's interview. The truth is there's never been a better time to build an e-commerce business. And the best part is you don't have to do it alone. And that's where Founder Plus comes in, which I'm really excited to share with you. If you're feeling stuck in your e-commerce business, lacking confidence to move forward, or really worrying about making costly mistakes, Founder Plus is here to support you. You get access to a customized learning pathway with proven frameworks from successful e-commerce founders for fast results, a supportive community, weekly live mentorship, exclusive savings on startup tools and 24-7 real human support. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash founder plus trial or click the link in our show notes to claim your trial. All right, now I'll jump back in the show. So in regards to um, all these teams that you have going on, things you have going on, how often do you catch up with everyone? What's that schedule look like? Because it sounds like you're doing a lot of managing. Do you do stand-ups daily with every team or? Yeah, typically I do with the agency team. I do stand-ups daily. Yes. Um, weekly, we review our clients' performance. Yes. And then at, that's the end of each week. Every Friday, we review all of our clients' performance. Every Monday, we work on, we review the stand-ups all about what is going on. And we follow the, what's the big, what's the big five things we can focus on that's going to move the needle? Yes. And what are the three biggest weaknesses? At the moment, we offer content marketing services. We'll probably expand more than that. But when I say content marketing, I also mean how to get an ROI from that, right? So it's not like let's just help people get traffic. When we help get traffic, let's get them to lead. Let's get them into a, a trial, like, you know, from a lead to actually purchase something or attempt to purchase. And, and so a lot of our efforts and our problems with our clients is let's, solve the the bottlenecks of 
why is retention so low? And so kind of the bottom, we, we focus a lot on the middle, bottom, and kind of after the transaction happens, but none of that happens without the traffic. Mm, I see. And you're very good at this growth uh, marketing stuff, driving traffic. But first of all, uh, I, I think, I think um, a lot of people would really like to know this question. What is the best way to get an ROI for your content? Um, you know, what, and, and also what, what volume should you be creating content at? If you're, a, you know, for many of our audience, just starting out, you know, running a, running a startup or, you know, have been doing this for a while, you know, what, how much content should people be producing um, and, and how do you get ROI for it? Yeah, and this is literally the single biggest problem people have and why they don't get ROI from content is they're producing, frankly, too much content. And so my strategy is to create the least amount of content. It's typically one, two, or three articles a month that are just top-notch, something that's better than anything else there, there is out there. Some people refer to that as 10x content. I often talk about 10x content, but in this conversation, what I mean by 10x content is just something that's unique, something that's different. And unique might be, oh, it's updated. The last version of this was two years ago on the internet. It's really old. And it's using design, right? I mean, I always say a piece of crap, polished up, put in a box, in a gift, wrapped with a bow on it. You can't tell it's crap until you get inside. So polish it up, make it look good, make it look like a million bucks. Even if your copy isn't the best, it could still work for you. I'm not saying continue that forever, but it's a way to get started. So I think it's first and foremost writing very in-depth content, not focusing on producing three, like more than a couple pieces of content a month. And if you can't do that, focus on just one. Get one down and then repeat a process that works. Most people just start churning and burning. And I feel like it's this kind of ecosystem that leads to this same behavior. Don't do what I do. I've been doing this for a long time. What works for me is not at all going to work for people that start or getting started. What works for people to get started is find the one or two wins, get that evergreen content out there. And that's also a part of the 10X content. And the next part is after you figure out and you get the process of writing the right type of content, it's what to write about. Most companies talk about customer-centric content. What I mean by that is everyone's writing content for their customers, their existing customers, or who they think their customers are. Hmm. What I like to do is I don't even talk about any of that stuff. I talk about content circles. And what a content circle is, is what's content that circles your industry? So if you're a plumber, what, and this is just like, it's a hard example, right? Like a plumber, how do you make plumbing content sexy? You can't, right? Wait, it's hard to, but think about what other problems that people that need plumbing have right? It's, it's maybe home improvement. That's kind of the hierarching category. Yes. It may be how, you know, maybe it's not even um, about plumbing. It's just all on home improvement. And then you go into another category on like, like all the services that can help you with home improvement these days and, or things you can do. It may be just talking about the world's best bathrooms, right? I mean, you can go kind of crazy, but what I'm getting at is it's not your category. It's one level removed from your category and do keyword research to find what are some keywords that you can essentially write about that potentially can rank for 
That's interesting. So you do that, you keep one level removed, and then you write something very stellar, and then you focus. And this is the next problem I find most most people have um, is promotion. You know, the, I get emails all the time saying, "Hey, I, I, I write content. This is it's this amazing. It did this and this. I spent so much time on it, and then it didn't get anywhere." Well, I mean, that's what happens because you didn't do any promotion, and so eighty percent of your time should be on the promotion. And I always have a rule that's again very simple because marketing is not that complex is have five ways you're going to promote the piece of content before you write the content. And if you can't come up with five ways, you shouldn't write it at all because no one's going to see it. And it forces you to like learn and, and focus on the content promotion, which will actually help you get seen. Um, and, and to be honest, it could be co-marketing. It could be reaching out to influencers. It could be doing a bit of Facebook ads. I always try to do that with every article. Mm. It could be emailing your list, whatever that is. Now, if you're emailing your list, you have to also then ask yourself, what did my list sign up for? Would they be interested in this topic? Or what would they be interested in? And, 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 and then, then it might be, where should your content go? And so that kind of the third problem I see is people are always writing about their own blog, on their own blog, about their site or their company. That's the worst thing because you're talking to people who already know you about you. I mean, they already know you. Why do you need to talk about yourself? Talk not about yourself, but go do guest posts. And then so instead of writing on your own site, go write and reach a new audience and then get that audience back to your site. And so, you know, old school days, five, 10 years ago, five, seven years ago, everyone was doing guest posts for links and, you know, in the bio, getting a link back. That doesn't work anymore. That tactic doesn't work. But the strategy of guest posts still works, reaching a new audience and getting in front of them. Because in this day and age, you don't have to own them. And that kind of brings me to that last point. And I think, Nathan, you're going to love this is kind of my one, two, three, four, five punch when it comes to building a personal brand and building this, this lead flow and, and, and marketing, not just myself, but all of my companies I don't always focus on owning the traffic, right? So a lot of my content that actually gets me leads gives me zero visitors. And in fact, if I tell you how much traffic my sites get, you might laugh at me. It's, it's, it's all of them combined are under 100,000. And oh, wow. the leads, yeah, and all the, the leads combined, I get all SaaS and agency are over 2,000. So surprisingly high amount of leads from low amount of traffic. Mm. Interesting. And they're really high quality leads, right? Yep. Gotcha. I see. Please go on. Yeah. So this one, two, three, four, five punch is one, it's all about awareness. So I write a lot of guest posts and I write a lot of Forbes and, and things like that because I want people, I want to be where other people read content and no one reads my site that doesn't know about me. They have to know about me to read my site. Mm. Um, so I want to get the kind of subliminal or just high level awareness out there. I also know like, for example, Forbes, if you look at the word content marketing or 10X content or any of my kind of keywords, a Forbes article ranks there. So that means I might not be able to rank my site that easily, but I may be able to rank Forbes site on there, mm. my Forbes column on there. So I went and targeted all the sites that rank and I didn't do this in a very strategic, I mean, sorry, not, not in a very strategic way. I didn't do this in a very, automated fashion, I literally Googled all the biggest terms in my industry, yes. in SEO, marketing, content marketing, PPC, what have you, email marketing. And I just looked up 
and I just follow the breadcrumbs. And I saw all the blogs that were ranking, like HubSpot, Forbes, Kissmetrics, Entrepreneur, and all these other places. And so I just targeted those sites. I'm like, okay, well, if I can write something on there, they're going to have a high potential of ranking. So that's my, my one punch is just writing on there. My second one is writing keyword specific or topically like strategic content. So I have a very specific reason why I'm writing about something. And the kind of the third punch is then bringing them back into my site, bringing them back into some sort of property I have a part of, or I can collect an email or whatnot. Yes. And by this point, they're not just a visitor, they're a qualified visitor. They probably heard about me. And a lot of my traffic and analytics shows that I'm getting sure I'm getting traffic from Google, I'm getting traffic from direct my email lists and ads and whatnot and Facebook, but my best traffic comes from referrals. And that's there's not a lot of it, but they all they convert. 10 to 20% somewhere in there. Yeah, and wow. that's fairly high. And it's, again, it's not a lot of traffic I have to build. It's just very specific. And so that's kind of my third punch. And then three and four and five, actually four and five is continuing to deliver value, right? And so I started doing videos. I've been doing podcasts and, and I'm mixing up the formats of content that I create to continue to deliver value in different ways. And when I want these people that have now come to my website, opted into my email list or signed up for my product is to know that I, Sushan Patel, or whatever my brand, uh, whatever my company is, is that there's humans behind this thing. We're humans, we get sick. In fact, I'm sick right now. We have great days, we have bad days, we're energetic. We, when you can see a person, you can establish trust with someone and the other formats I use, like video, I get very little views on them. But on a 100, 200 view video that I've been producing, in fact, all of my videos have been in kind of that range lately, mm. I get around 10 to 15 emails, engagements of people just asking me questions, starting conversation. They feel like they know me. And reality is because they probably do. I like, I sh like I show emotion on the video and people like that. And so that's the way I go. That's kind of my fourth thing. And my fifth thing is inbox. I just stay in my inbox. Everything comes to me. Um, I tried doing a lot of outbound stuff. In fact, like I pitched a bunch of conferences to speak at and I got rejected from all of them, like literally a hundred percent rejection rate. And I mean, my pitch could be improved. All these things could happen, or I could just do a really good job marketing to where they have to come to me. And when they come to me, it's my terms. And they know me and there's, a, you know, it's, it's very likely that things are just going to work out. It's very conversational. And so I want my goal is to get everybody in the inbox and start a conversation, not even the lead. I want them just to have a conversation. So that's kind of my one through five way of getting people to really connect with me. And if you, when you start, re, when you start doing this for a long period of time, um, what ends up happening is it starts compounding. People talk, people help each other. You know, uh, you have multiple conversations with people. And, and again, it just starts becoming compounding where you do less and more comes to you. Mm, I see. And you can do this not just for your personal brand, but you can do this strategy for, for your own business and for your own company brand too, right? Yep, exactly. This strategy, this, like, and, and really this is all what I've just said is all content marketing related. You can do this for, for any business uh, because at the end of the day, whatever industry you're in, there's a human on both sides, right? The buyer and the seller is a human being, right? Yes. I mean, maybe disregard the whole chat bot thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but even then, right? That's yeah. because customer service sucks. And, and, and so chat 
bots can help quickly get you to the right section. But, but anyways, it, there's still human to human interaction. And I've, I've found that the strategy applies anytime that is true. Mm. So when it comes to, you know, your fourth and fifth punch, when you get, um, get that, get that person to sign up to your email list or you, they become a prospect or a lead. Um, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on um, the, the, the balancing of the scales versus value content versus uh, product or service-based content kind of pitching for the sale? How do you manage that, that balance? Honestly, I just keep giving stuff away. Anytime I figure something out and I can explain it in an easy-to-understand way, I'm going to write about it. And I'm just going to continue delivering value. The thing that is unique, maybe not unique to me, but like my unique value is that if you're, if you're reading about it, I'm already on to five bigger, better things. And so um, there's two reasons. Most companies kind of hire us on the agency side is that it's all about execution. You can learn everything in the world, but you can never kind of repeat the time and experience that you know the agency has had or myself has had or the relationships and execution, right? So again, like by the time I write about it, 95% of the time, I've already mastered it and moved on to a, bu- a bunch of other things. I see. But at what, like, how do you manage the balance, bro, between, um, you know, once you have that lead, how, how do you, you get that sales conversation going? How do you manage that balance between value-based content versus sales-based content? That's the question, yes. asking, I guess. Okay, yeah. So literally in all the value-based content, there's plugs to go into a lead form, right? So if it's if I'm trying to get consult- uh, consulting deals, and typically I don't do any of those. Uh, anytime I drive people to the website, there is kind of sidebar or kind of some sort of link to get to a consulting like lead. Mm-hmm. And, and so that happens just naturally by people visiting the site or viewing the emails because they end up going to a, a place where they can go try to hire me or connect with me to hire me. And then on the SaaS side, they're very as rarely as a plug. It's usually in the signature on emails. It's usually very subtle. Uh, and at the end of the day, like I'm just there, like I'm probably missing out on lots of execute like, on lots of leads or like tr- uh, new business to my SaaS businesses. But I don't care. My goal here is just smarter customers, and smarter potential customers turn into better customers. And again, I talk about the what I do and how I and how I do it. And if I'm using my own tools to do so. I'm going to clearly say that, hey, I use my tool to do this. And then people kind of kind of go that way. And again, they're, they're, I'm probably missing out on a lot, but that's kind of my approach right now because I don't want to be, I don't want to be too aggressive in kind of converting people. One, because I don't think I can handle it <laughs> in terms of volume. And two, because when I don't ask for something, it's that, it's that person that remembers me and they remember the brand. And then they come back on their own anyways, and then convert. Mm. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, awesome. Um, something that I'm sure people would like to know about, and and you don't, I, I know you could talk about this all day, but if we can cover this one little thing off quickly, that'd be awesome. Just tips for pitching blogs, you know, or, or you know, writing for you know industry blogs, um, or, or you know, influential blogs, or, or or publications. That's something you're very very good at. Um, tips around that. Yeah. So a couple tips. I'm going to leave you with three big tips. One is don't pitch until you absolutely have the resume to do the job. Meaning if you're just starting with your blog, 
don't go pitch Forbes entrepreneur. It's not going to work. They have a hundred people, a thousand people that are in front of you and a hundred people that are more qualified, uh, that are actually qualified to be on the site. So get qualified. What, what that means is get a couple wins under your belt and move up slowly. So don't just target Forbes, go start from the bottom, go target some small blogs, get some wins. Every place you write, make sure they're a win. Make sure you, you, you get content uh, traffic to the site. You create the best content. All these publishers, in my experience, want traffic and quality content. And quality meaning the practitioner is writing the content. They, they actually know what they're talking about. So first and foremost, you're going to get rejected unless you have that. And so just build. And you only need three wins at every level. So I kind of started with, and then again, you might look at me now and like, ah, oh, that's easy for you. But trust me, two, two and a half years ago, there was like, I had nothing. Right. And so, um, I had to start from the bottom. And so I started with industry sites like search engine journal or kind of random blogs. And I kind of worked my way up to bigger industry blogs. And then when I got there, I kind of worked my way up to like business insider. And again, I got a couple wins at each one, specifically three wins. Mm. And, and I just kept moving up. It took me five years because I didn't have that I didn't have that approach down. I was just kind of willy-nilly doing it. But kind of looking back, if you did this straight for one year, it can work. And you have to be patient. There's no, there's no shortcut. Now, I say that, and my number two tip is how to get shortcut your way into this. So um, <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know me, I like to contradict myself. I find it humorous. <laughs> uh, but number two tip, and when it's a shortcut your way into these big blogs or any guest posts, is to know people, right? Relationships, net, your network, when people know you, they can open doors for you, right? So most of these big blogs, when, when you can get in fast, it's because they figured out a way to shortcut into the editor or, or a person. So the shortcut is find who else is writing on these sites and befriend them, provide value, help them for free. Now, again, there's no shortcut to building a relationship. In that, there really is no shortcut. You have to be genuine. You can't ask for something up front. And don't go and say, hey, I see you write for Forbes. Can you introduce me? Because yeah, they probably won't and they can't because you don't have a writer's resume. So again, but befriend people and doors are open. I mean, literally today, a few people texted me and said, hey, like, do you want to be involved in this one project I'm doing for entrepreneur and this and that? And so I literally did nothing and doors just open. Uh, and that's because the person I'm talking to about here, I helped give him free advice on how to get into these big places. And he was able to do it over the last six months. And so be human, build relationships and shortcuts will happen, but earn them. And the third tip I want to leave you with is ask yourself why you want to write for these places. Oftentimes, writing for these large publications will not do anything for your business. So if you're expecting, and if you look at, like, let's say you look at my, my kind of, you, you try to analyze what I did or reverse engineer everything I'm doing. Mm. You, if you find the conclusion is, oh, I get a lot of the value because I write for these large places, that's incorrect. I get some value from it, but the majority of the value I get is from connecting and building relationships, um, doing offline events like private dinners and all the content I produce on my site and, and other guest posts, like I get way more value when I write for Search Engine Journal than I do for Forbes. So figure out why you're writing for them. And oftentimes, if it's not your audience, go write for your audience 
because you could be a big deal in your audience and no one knows you in the main world, like in the regular world. That's okay. As long as you kind of are, you built your brand in, in, in a world where it matters. And so don't believe all the sexiness and don't worry about it. Like if I had to do it all over again, I wouldn't really target these large sites. The main value I've got from these places, and I love writing, that's why I do it, is talking about it, right? So, um, and I'll just be completely transparent. That, that's the value I get from it. Mm. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, and that's actually something I think you're very, very good at is serving first, asking later, networking and relationships. Um, so I'm really curious, and this is me being selfish now. Um, I have a question around, you know, you talked us through um, your content creation process, which I think is absolute gold, man, around just, um, you know, speaking, recording it, so and then getting it transcribed and then editing it out. And you can pump out, you know, really, really 10x kind of articles, probably, uh, it sounds like at least four to five a week, right? Uh, yeah, typically, I try to produce six a week. Yeah. Uh, four on the weekends. I, I, I do a bit. I do a bit. Um, I haven't found the most value from syndication. What I do that works well for me is repurposing. So yeah. instead of saying, hey, take this exact article and publish it on your site, I will publish on SlideShare or LinkedIn and or Medium. Uh, I've been publishing regularly on Medium and LinkedIn for the last kind of three months straight. Mm. And it's been a gold mine. I mean, I've had people on the phone, like I was just talking to a client today and he's like, oh man, I read your article on LinkedIn today. Honestly, I had no clue what it was. It was something I wrote like six months ago, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it works, right? Because LinkedIn, yeah. Yeah. it's all your professional contact. So yeah. I like to repurpose and like SlideShare has a big network. YouTube, again, great. Like all of my videos is just content I've written so much about that I've just mastered um, that I can talk about it. And again, people get to know that emotional side about me and, and that personal side because I kind of have a way of talking and that's maybe different than others, but I don't know. I feel like it is. Um, and, and yeah, again, like just leveraging other networks. Yeah, gotcha. No, that's interesting. So we're out of those six that you aim to produce, um, you probably, you try and put one on Half Post, you try and put one on Fast Company, Inc., Forbes, Entrepreneur, um, and you just find out whoever wants them and submit them. And then you just kind of, you have how many, like out of, out of all the publications that you write for, um, what does that cycle look like? Cause you've got your keywords. You want to link back to certain ones, those kinds of things as well. Who does that? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of, uh, my marketing team internally, yes. um, for the agency and, and, and whatnot. So there's, there's not really, like, I mean, like link back and whatnot. I just think about topical relevance. So it's like, uh, for example, I wrote an article on a site on personal branding. And so I wrote this really in-depth article on like everything I did. I literally just said like, here's the 10, I don't know if it was 10, maybe it was like 10, 15 things. Here's the things I did. And then like, look, this is the art outcome that came, uh, that happened. Uh, and, but then I, I've written articles on like Inc or Forbes, like, how to build your brand, like personal brand, like Donald Trump, or here's how to use social media to build your brand. So I'm kind of coming up with adjacent topics yes. that then all kind of reference that. And I'm not referencing that in a, in a, in a, a unnatural way. It makes sense. It's like the most relevant thing to link to. I also link and quote and talk about other people doing it. So that's kind of how I go about it. Inc. Forbes Entrepreneur, I publish regularly, weekly, typically. Yes. There's the other three articles. One of them usually goes on my site. One of them usually goes on another. I call it like 
the largest publishers in marketing. So think like HubSpot, Kissmetrics, Content Marketing Institute, one of those kind of marketing sites. Yes. And the other one, I have to figure out where it goes. Like I, every week or two, I earn, I have to hunt down new sites. Like the other day I published something on a company, a SaaS company's blog called Chargebee. It looked like a cool company. I like, I like the the marketing team. They were, they were really hungry. And so I was like, hey, look, I want to produce some content for you guys. And let's just, you know, I, I know there's a fit here. Let's, let's talk about this. And, uh, you know, it's a way for me to connect with other companies and talk about what they're doing. And again, like I kind of blend my content creation into relationships as well. Mm, yeah, I see. And do you check, um, do you always look for d- at the domain authority for certain things or don't really mind? <laughs> I, you know, five years ago, I would say, hell yeah, I definitely look at all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> not anymore. And, and that's me being arrogant uh, and I'm okay with it because yeah. I can produce six, I have a home for six articles a week. If you're just starting out, hell yeah, look at the domain authority. But beyond that, look at the traffic, look at the reach of that, uh, of a domain or a website. Like you could find, uh, like for example, Forbes, I'll just kind of call myself out. Forbes is a huge domain authority, but my column, unless, you know, I, if I publish on Forbes and it doesn't get picked up by the Forbes network, like the Forbes network doesn't do all the like share it and promotion of it. Mm. I have to do all the hard work. And so I would say huge domain authority, huge potential for reach, but very low reach because the competition is high. I'm competing mm. with all the other awesome writers there. Whereas like Unbounce, right? Or some other like kind of blog, they email their list all the time, right? So mm. like for me, my domain authority on SusanPatel.com, I don't know, probably like 45 to 50, somewhere in there. I'd be lying if I have it, if I said I didn't check in a while, but I email my list of like 50,000 marketers. And so I don't know, do you want to get in front of 50,000 marketers or do you want a high domain authority link? Yeah, I choose the 50,000 marketers. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Okay, so you, you're weighing it up and then you just kind of, you've got all these, um, you, you've got you've got all the the networks in place where you want to push out and, and, and write for. That's a pretty boss system, man. Yeah, it's fun, honestly. Like the only reason I do it is because it's fun. Sometimes... Um, I'm tired and I don't, but I don't write much and it's just getting ahead. Right. So like what kind of the lesson I learned is beyond anything else in life, be consistent, right? Anything in marketing, do it, do it regularly. Like I, you'll never see me miss a, miss a publishing date. Why? Even if I'm sick, like I said, I've been sick for the last five days, but I've never missed a beat on publishing because I'm usually working two, three weeks in advance. So I can afford to miss a week and still be you know, let's say not three weeks, I'll be two weeks ahead. So be consistent. I mean, Neil Patel, uh, Gary V, both of those guys are amazing at consistency. Like I think Neil has been doing it for, uh, I think 13 or 12, 13 years, like blogging religiously. And it's amazing because things just start happening. And it was funny because I actually was, you know, back in the single day, single grain days, I was helping him with this new site called neopatel.com. Like, mm. again, this was back in 2009, 2010. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap, like, how can I get to where you're at? And I realized like, there's no magical answer. It's just doing it for a while. And, and, and now I realize like, holy crap, like things just kind of fall in my lap because I've earned it. Right. I've kind of put the work in place to where it could even happen. 
Yeah, no, that's so true. On any content play, whether it's on social, blogging, podcasting, magazine publishing, like that's something that we're very, very big on as well. Founder, it's like that snowball effect. The moment you stop is the moment you lose. That consistency is so key. It's like building a house, man, brick by brick, and you just keep going. And that's how you just keep building. Dude, um, we have to work towards wrapping up. This has been awesome. Um, two questions. One, what are you working on right now? Anything awesome that you want to share? Interesting? Any more goals? Uh, I know you've shared a lot with us. And then next, uh, where's the best place people can find you about, you know, all your SaaS products, your tools, your personal brand? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'll tell you this little secret that I guess once I say it, it won't be such a secret. Uh, I'm working on content right now that is not even in my industry, but it is targeting the same persona. Um, mm. If You might see a glimpse of it if you've already checked out my site. I wrote a, a playbook. It's this 10,000, 12,000 word guide on, on customer delight. So it's called the customer delight playbook. That has nothing to do with marketing. Like that's, or I mean, it kind of does, but like it's so far away from my normal content that actually provides me value. Mm. But it is actually exactly hitting the nail on the head with my content, uh, my, my audience or potential customer persona. And so over the next six months, you're going to see a series of playbooks and they're all themed playbook intentionally, but really they're all things very far away from my, my brand, but they're very specific to my customer persona. So don't be afraid to go really far. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.